From the American College of Financial Services, it's time for NextGen in 10. I'm Ross Riskin, chair of the NextGen Advisory Task Force, and for the next 10 minutes, you'll be joined by our hosts and guests discussing topics relevant to up-and-coming financial advisors. Hey, y'all. It's Alana Phillips here with NextGen in 10 and AJ Bishop, the founder of My Wealth Conscious Coach. Thanks for being with us today, AJ. It's always so good to be here chatting with you. This is a really fun topic. So I am excited for this one. You are a woman in financial services. I am a woman in financial services. We are consumers and potential clients. So I want to talk about us as women. How, as you are working with women in, you know, the My Wealth Conscious Coach group, how are women choosing the financial advisors that they work with? Well, I think we have to really get clear on it's like, man, we're still talking about this in 2021, right? Like how do we attract women? How do we talk to women in general? And especially in a business where we know that women are acquiring immense amounts of wealth, whether that's they're personally earning it because they're hitting levels of leadership in organizations that have never happened, or because they're part of the sandwich generation, right? Where their elderly parents are now living longer, but still right, acquiring wealth and also taking care of their own children. And so I always like to start this conversation with IQ versus EQ. And, you know, Daniel Gottman is the founder of Emotional Intelligence, EQ, and women inherently are emotional decision makers. And so are men as well, too. But women specifically make their decisions based off of emotions, intuition, as well as they enjoy being collaborative when it comes to making financial decisions. And so the way that all of us were taught and we're continuing to be taught as financial advisors is a very male-centric way of doing business. And so I work with clients who are extremely powerful. They're successful women, right? They're CEOs of companies, they're professional business owners, and they feel like they are not being seen or listened to in the modern financial and services industry. And so one of the things I love to talk to financial advisors about is how do you create a relationship, a real intimate relationship with women and talk to them about how to invest based off of their value system. I love it. So the values are going to be, I think, so much more important here versus it sounds like AJ, like leading with all of my accolades and all of my licenses and awards and my history of rate of return, like that's not doing it. It is absolutely not doing it. It's just like talking a whole bunch of jargon to women who have no interest in that. And I'm not saying that they don't have an interest in it. It just doesn't impress them. Right? Like they want to know that their financial advisor listens to them and cares about what's important to them. And when we're talking about performance or we're talking about all the latest right mutual funds or stocks that you're, you're excited about, the question is, are they excited about it? And so the advisor that asks questions is the advisor that wins, right? The advisor that knows how important it is to speak less, especially when they're in front of a woman, is the advisor that wins. 
tough to do easier to say than to do for sure. When we look at an industry that is, you know, told us to have sales pitches and, you know, your elevator speech that you give, I'm assuming you could tell by the way I asked that question, I wasn't going to be impressed by any of the accolades or awards. So I I think that's important to, to share as well. So asking really good questions, focusing on the values. I mean, how does an advisor, because I know a lot of advisors as do you, AJ, that I don't think they have their own values identified. Do they have to start there? Yes. Yeah. That that's such an important and essential piece of knowing who you are and what you stand for, because that will, that will resonate, right? So a sales pitch is important to have and the art and the sexiness of it is weaving it into your personal story, weaving it into your unique value proposition, weaving it into your unique values, Right. So I had no qualms when I was a financial advisor and telling clients why I became or why I stayed in financial advising. So when I was younger, my father passed away. My mom inherited a lot of money. She was a widowed mother. She, I'm half Brazilian, so she didn't speak English very well. And she got really bad advice from a financial advisor. And so I always told my clients, my vow to them was to ensure that any advice I would give them, they would 100% understand what they were getting into, as well as they could count on me giving them options. So a personal story like that reveals a lot about who you are as an individual and instantly increases trust. Different than me being like, well, I've been a top ranking financial advisor for the past three years and I manage over $5 billion in assets. No one cares about that, right? Some people will, but a majority of people want to know that you actually have an invested common value in them and their money. That's a great point, AJ. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back. The American College of Financial Services is dedicated to providing applied financial knowledge and education, promoting lifelong learning and advocating for ethical standards for the benefit of society. I'm George Nichols III, President and CEO, and I encourage you to listen and subscribe to this and other college podcasts as we continue to expand our horizons in this digital landscape. Remember, no matter what, we are always stronger together. Visit theamericancollege.edu to learn how you can be part of the change we're building. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. And we're back and we'll pick up right where we left off, AJ. You've got your story you share. We've got some shared values. What other services or things are financial advisors doing for female clients that's different? Well, I think the number one thing that women really care about, especially even if they're single, is their legacy, right? So I speak a lot to the women that I work with in my community around what's your legacy, right? What's your financial legacy? Whether that's because they have children and they want to ensure their children go to college or they want to ensure that they can help their children buy their first house, or if it's a single powerful woman who wants to make sure someone takes care of her when she gets older. So the discussion around what I'd call non-investment related products is actually what helps build trust as well as credibility with these individuals. So knowing the importance or talking about the importance of an individual having their will or having a trust in place, 
not necessarily investment related, but just a good common will, decent thing to do as a financial advisor, as well as talking to them about what's important to you. What type of things do you like to do? Do you want to give to charity? Do you care about the environment? These are the type of questions that we don't commonly ask and we assume or we just wait in a lot of ways for women to come tell us or men to come tell us that they want to invest in socially responsible investing. But I think that the more advisors can bring up these type of topics in the first couple of meetings with clients, the more captive audience they're going to have. Because every other advisor is still talking about what they should do with their portfolio. And if the Manny Carlo scenario is on target, it's like, no, 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 let's stop. Let's actually find out what's important to them and then go from there. The audience cannot see me rolling my eyes as you talk about Monte Carlo simulation because yeah, nobody cares. I mean, it's great. Please do those things, right? Please make sure that my portfolio is well allocated, appropriate to my risk tolerance, but oh my God, please do not explain to me the intricacies of this theory. So (laughs) we're focused on legacy. We're focused on what's important. I had read a stat, AJ, and I I think this is a group that you've done a lot of work with from the New York Times that was 20% of female breadwinners do not feel confident that they can make good financial decisions. And my mind was just blown. Like I am a female breadwinner too. And I always have been in my relationships. Like how is that possible? And how are we missing the mark so bad in this industry, AJ, that women control wealth? And and we've still only got 20% of the women who are making the money that feel confident. Well, I think it's because women are out living life, right? Like they're not studying financial markets. They're not watching MSNBC. They're not watching Bloomberg. They're out living life, whether that's raising families to having careers that they don't have the time. Even though I'm in the industry, I don't care about the industry, right? Like the minute I stopped being a financial advisor was the minute I stopped watching the ticker every single day. So these women are out there living their lives and yet they don't feel equipped with the right knowledge. They don't feel equipped with the right support. They don't feel like their financial advisors get them. They don't feel like their advisors listen to them. They understand the value of having an advisor and they would love to work with advisors, but they find themselves challenged when it comes to finding the right advisor. And it's not necessarily that every woman wants to work with another woman, right? A lot of women actually are 100% open to working with a man. My financial advisor is a man. But it's what's the quality of relationship that you have with that individual matters because they want to feel confident in the person that they're putting their money with. And I think that the change in the narrative of how do I serve clients in the way that brings meaning to them versus what's convenient for me is actually what will change our industry. Because right now we have a very scripted way of doing business. And sometimes learning a new way is uncomfortable, but at least it shows that you're willing to listen and learn more about who's in front of you. I want to go back to something that you said, because I think this is important. Women do want to work with men, right? This is not an exclusive, I only want to work with women situation. Of course, there are women that feel more comfortable with a woman advisor, but I think most women are very open to working with male advisors. And some male advisors think that that wouldn't be the case. 
And I feel like we as an industry, AJ, are missing the mark here. Like how, how do we help get this message across to advisors, marketing to women as clients appropriately, communicating with women, serving them appropriately? Like what needs to happen? Well, the statistics of financial advisors is reality, right? I think maybe we're at 15% female. So the likelihood of a woman being able to choose another woman is is small anyways. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what gender you are. I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to asking yourself, how do I make this connection with this individual? Because that is what matters the most is this idea of connection. And I always taught my financial advisors to look at every single client, male or female, as their brother, as their sister, as their mother, as their aunt, as their girlfriend, as their wife, as their daughter, as their son, and speak to them from there, different than I'm this financial professional who has all the answers. Because no one wants to feel like they're intimidated, right? Or intimidating. And so the sooner that us as an industry can get back to the level of talking to people like they're our neighbors, like they're our friends, like they're our families, the easier it will be for all of us, myself included, to attract more women into the industry as advisors, as well as as clients. Well, we've got a lot of work to do there for sure. And changing this narrative on intimidation, because I think that's been in so much of the training, right? I think about the disturbing tracks, right? That new advisors are taught to, to disturb a client into making decisions with them, that that intimidation just can't be the method anymore. So AJ, this is such an important discussion. I want to wrap up what we're talking about here with unfortunately still a business case for this. And I cannot believe that we still have to make a business case for this, but we're completely missing the mark. There's women that need to be helped. Women would be great clients. Like, can you share with our audience your pitch as to why we need to attract women as clients? Well, I think the numbers that I recently saw specifically around COVID is roughly 3 million women left the workforce during COVID, whether that's to stay at home with families or start their own businesses. And what I know about women is they're extremely creative and innovative. And so to neglect women as breadwinners or as future leaders is a huge miss for all of us, as well as the numbers are staggering around the amount of wealth that will transition to women over the next 10 and 15 years. And so I want all of us to be on the right side of that, right? I want us to be equipped not running after it, but it running towards us, right? When women are acquiring all this wealth, you want them running towards you versus running away because we're still not speaking the same language, right? Like I love the book, what is it? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It's a very true book in the sense that we just have different ways of speaking and our language is different, but it's all easy to figure out. And the sooner that we can figure it out, the better we'll all be right? Because when women are elevated, the world is elevated. Completely. Yeah. Again, I hate that we still have to make this business case for some reason, you know, women are going to have, I think it's two thirds of all consumer wealth, you know, that will transfer to women here. And this is the largest transfer of wealth in in the U.S.'s history, at least. If you're not working with women, if you don't have a practice that attracts women as clients that serves their needs, I hate to see what your business is going to look like 10, 20 years from now. 
And it starts with getting to know the spouse and the children, right? I can't tell you how many times my financial advisors would work so hard to build a relationship only to lose it when that person passed away because they never got to know the spouse or the children. So there right there is an easy tip to even like forget about attracting, just look at your existing book of business and to ask yourself, do I know the spouse? Do I know the children? And if the answer is no, then start talking to your client about getting to know them. Yeah. I think that relationship is so important. And AJ ties back to the business building, right? Relationship building is still the key piece and how that happens may look a little bit different, but so, so critical. And thank you, AJ, for your insight into attracting women clients, supporting women in our industry. And hopefully as we continue to talk about this, we change what these numbers look like with women. Thank you. Oh, we sure will. Thanks so much for having me. For more episodes, visit our website at theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. This has been Next Gen in 10, brought to you by the American College of Financial Services.